he was a Civil War veteran, cavalry officer, Indian fighter, General Sheridan's aide at camp, avid fisherman, author, husband, and eventually Brigadier General. This courageous soldier was a true explorer of Hot Springs County, Wyoming. The pioneers of outlaw country, cowboys, lawmen, and outlaws, to the businessmen and women who all helped shape Jermopolis and Hot Springs County, Wyoming. Here are their stories. Major George Sandy Forsythe, The Forgotten Diary. Springs County Museum in Thermopolis, Wyoming. A nondescript brown journal was on display in the military exhibit with a small photo of its author, Major George Sandy Forsyth. Someone had stamped the cover with the old address of the county museum before that museum was burned and moved to its present location on 700 Broadway in Thermopolis, Wyoming. Somehow, this journal survived the devastating fire although its outer edges are tinged with old soot. This journal was on its way to the Smithsonian, when instead, the owner chose, through a series of twists and turns, to send the journal to Thermopolis. That is because this journal was written in 1877 about a journey through the future Hot Springs County. Major George Sandy Forsythe was General Sheridan's aide-de-camp, and along with many notable officers of the time, was on a journey through the Bighorn Mountains to Camp Custer. It had been one year since General Custer had been killed at the Battle of the Little Bighorn. The company of soldiers, who had all known him and his regiment, were on their way to the new post being built along the Rosebud and Tongue River. The Indian Wars were coming to an end, and the company were accompanied by Sioux Scouts. They had left Chicago on the train and arrived in the Cheyenne within one day. From there, they took the train and then the stagecoach to Camp Brown, a fort near the future town of Lander. This trip was unlike any from the previous years when danger lurked on the countryside from hostile Indians. The Indian Wars were over, and now the soldiers hunted and fished their way across the beautiful landscape. Sandy Forsyth was a skilled writer and his words describe a world as beautiful as any park. He talks about the bright blue of the larkspur and forget-me-nots, the strain of trout they caught, and the mosquitoes that plagued them. In 1877, buffalo still roamed Hot Springs County in large herds and the area was still being mapped. On June 25, 1877, Major Forsyth left Chicago and reached Omaha the next day. Brigadier General George Crook, the commander of the Department of the Platte, joined the group. At Cheyenne, Dr. Patsy, assistant surgeon, joined as well, and the party was complete. By 6 a.m. on Tuesday, June 26, they reached Green River Station and got on the stage for Camp Brown, Wyoming, where they would begin their trek. This is their historic camping trip in Sandy's words. July 1st. Made an easy and pleasant march of it for the first day, so as to break in the pack animals and get everything into good shape for actual work. 
Upon coming into camp, General Crook threw a fish line into the water just where our camp was located. Pretty soon, Lieutenant Carpenter saw that something had taken the bait. The line caught in the weeds, but Lieutenant Schuler threw himself upon the bank and by leaning way over, put in his arm and pulled out a fine mountain trout. July 2nd, Locust Camp. This morning, while looking for a resting place, I started up a red deer, which the Sioux Indians killed. We are encamped on the bank of the Little Wind River, just where the Papoja empties into it. Our camp is in the midst of a hatching or feeding spot of 17-year locusts. We have caught some fish in the stream, but no trout. All the party enjoy the marching very much. Our pack train is getting down to its work in good shape, and tomorrow we expect to make a good day's march. Our first two marches are generally short ones. The horses, having been sent across the river to graze yesterday afternoon, stampeded and ran down the other bank opposite our camp and swam across to camp. The horses seemed to think it was a huge joke and enjoyed it immensely. July 3rd, on the west bank of the Bighorn River in a clump of cottonwoods. Our journey today was devoid of interest. Through a sagebrush country and I think only one deer was seen, General Crook followed the trail of an elk for some time but did not come up to him. Our tents were pitched right upon the bank of the stream in a little grassy opening. Mosquitoes plenty in the afternoon, but it was too cold for them in the evening. Caught one small white fish, stream not very clear, bathed in the evening. July 4th, 1877. Today is the 101st anniversary of our country's independence. A clear, hot day over a hilly country towards the Owl Creek Range of Mountains. Road rough, sandy and stony, across the bad water, spending some time in fishing and crossing. Three miles further on, crossed a small mountain stream which our guide said was ordinarily dry. But the snow in the mountains kept it running at present. It was a hot day, road dusty, and grazing poor. Saw no game, though the Indian shot three elk, and Mr. Schuler missed a black-tailed deer. Took a sitting bath in the stream. Our mail reached us by special couriers from Brown. They return tomorrow. Tomorrow, we cross the Owl Creek Range of Mountains and hope to find a green and pleasant country. The party are all well sunburned and beginning to look like frontiersmen. July 5th. A clear morning with every indication of it being a hot day. We start across the Owl Creek Range today. Last night, all the officers came up to headquarters. We drank the old flag and champagne. We will start at 6.15 as usual. Last night was not as cold as usual. Saw an antelope. General Sheridan and the guide missed it. Followed it with Lieutenant Burke failed to overtake it. Details sent out from Calvary to shoot buffalo, which the Indians reported just ahead. Crossed the Bridger Trail. Hunters ran the buffalo across the head of the column and killed six. While the command was following the guide, Army Scout Tom Cosgrove, he came across the body of his companion of six months since, who was killed together with two other miners who were traveling through the country prospecting. 
The bodies of the other two miners have been found and buried, but this man Anderson had run down the creek and was killed there. We have called the creek Anderson's Creek. We made camp on the side of a hill in a winding sort of valley, rough red earth and sagebrush filled with buffalo, probably 5,000 of them. This p.m. we were almost stampeded by our horses when Indians drove some buffalo nearly through camp. So far today we have killed 40 buffalo, elk, and antelope. General Crook is still out at 9 p.m. He had Lieutenant Schuler and two orderlies with him. At 7 p.m. tonight, a frightened buffalo bull dashed through our camp. He came down a steep hill and right through the camp like a locomotive off the track. This camp is now known as Camp Stampede. Friday a.m. General Crook still absent. We have hunted 58 buffalo, antelope, elk. This valley is really a very pretty one. No Wood Creek is a fine stream, and we have caught a quantity of mountain trout in the stream. General Sheridan and myself took 20 in one hour of fly fishing. For some days, we have passed through lots of exquisitely blue larkspur. But today, our camp is a perfect carpet of larkspur. Deep, beautiful blue, a perfect carpet, and very lovely. General Crook came in in the p.m., he had capital success hunting and passed the night very comfortably in the open air. We saw several antelope today. July 7th, day hot, march long, passed several small springs or creeks. Saw plenty of trout in one small stream that empties into No Wood Creek. Water poor at this point. The snow shed from the hills does not empty into this stream. At 3 p.m. I started out fishing, went directly toward the mountains, found a fine stream, went up it five miles, got one bite. There was practically no fish in it. Took a bath. July 8th, made our present camp upon Sackett's Fork Creek. Spent about two hours seeking a crossing, the creek being very high. I was thoroughly wet through an attempt to find a crossing. My horse went downstream and managed to scramble out, though it was a close shave as my spur became entangled in some roots. Fine view of the mountains, grass good, water fine, plenty of trout in the stream, but owing to high water, but few caught. General Crook's stream allowed to float away by the orderly. Fished, but caught nothing. Mosquitoes, plenty. July 9th. Passed over a rough and broken country. Crossed two small rivulets and a little alkali pool. Creek very high. Snow evidently melting in the hills. General Crook came in at 8 p.m. having shot a fine grizzly bear 10 miles from camp. Six buffalo, one elk, and antelope. One grizzly, any quantity of trout. The stream is at this riding slowly rising. We will not be able to cross it without bridging unless we wait until tomorrow noon when it will probably run down somewhat. Very warm day, mosquitoes. July 10th, at 7.30 a.m., it was decided to dispense with the Captain Greggs of the 3rd Cavalry, who started upon his return at 11.30 a.m. 
he is accompanied by Mr. Cosgrove, the guide we secured at Camp Brown. We are all sorry to see the captain and his troop go, but there is no necessity for his further escort. He started for Camp Brown as we broke camp to cross Painted Rock Creek. The stream was still very high and General Sheridan directed Major G.A. Forsyth and Lieutenant Carpenter to try and throw a temporary bridge across the stream. This they had nearly completed doing when the Packers reported a ford four miles down the stream. It was decided to let the main portion of the command take this route. While General Sheridan and headquarters forded the creek higher up, the water was not very deep but exceedingly swift. We passed Medicine Lodge of the Snake, stopping to water at a lovely little spring. Thence took our way up the ascent, which was not at all difficult, though we passed through quite a rain and windstorm. Our headquarters are now upon the crest of one of the outlying mountains of the Bighorn Range, overlooking the valley of the Bighorns for many miles. The view is exquisite, and we are living among the pines in a cool atmosphere, with campfires night and morning. We can see the Bighorn River, No Wood Creek, Sackett's Fork, and the Bull River. During the day, we have shot buffalo, one mountain sheep, and antelope. July 11th, situated upon Stagger Lake. We had quite a search for the lake, but finally found it. It has an outlet at its eastern end, which we crossed this morning. There are no trout or other fish in the lake, the altitude being too great. Today, Lieutenant Carpenter and Lieutenant Schuler started to make the ascent of Clouds Peak, the highest peak in the Bighorn Range. So far as is known, the ascent has never yet been made. They are accompanied by two packers, two orderlies each, and four mules. They expect to be absent from two to four days. July 12th, number 13 camp at Lake Stagger. I went out to look at the country this a.m., examine the outlet of all the four lakes. Very park-like scenery here at the summit of the mountain. Lakes very clear, saw plenty of trout, but they would not bite nor rose to a fly. We have called the little lake upon which our headquarters are encamped after General Anson Stagger of Chicago. This evening, we all gathered around the campfire, telling stories and laughing. July 13th, started at 6.30 a.m. for Shell Creek. We parted from our camp upon Lake Stagger with quite a little regret. I gathered some forget-me-nots for Mrs. Sheridan. We pressed through one rocky canyon and had some difficulty in finding a trail. Then through some park-like scenery on the foothills of the Bighorn Range, crossing creeks. Timber pine, grass good, both running and in springs abundant. I think the whole country would make a capital place for sheep raising. I accompanied the guide guard and an Indian down to the stream, a very fine large one, full to the bank with clear snow water, found a fair ford. Scenery here splendid, towering mountains, snow clad on the east end of a canyon of which the stream comes, lots of pine on mountain side, ford two and a half miles from camp, springs everywhere, 
guard shot a black-tailed deer on the way to the ford. July 14th, snowstorm. Broke Camp 14 on Shell Creek at 1.15. Moved down Mount Ferrer to the creek by an old Indian trail. Very wet in places and I found a crossing. Then had to cross another mountain stream about 200 yards below the crossing on the north bank. Then struck across the canyon via Kulba Castle. The name we have given a prominent rock-covered peak nearly opposite Ferrer's Mountain, which is on the north side of Shell Creek. While moving down Shell Creek, General Sheridan and guard guide shot a fine black bear. We skinned him and brought the skin into camp. The view of the main Rocky Mountain range is superb. We are now within 10 miles of the headwaters of Little Bighorn River, and I think within 60 miles of the new post now constructing there. From my tent, I have a beautiful view of the main range of the Bighorn Mountains upon whose southern slope our camp is located. Far to the right is Cloud Peak, the highest of the range. A pretty little stream flows in a northwest direction at the bottom of the little valley between us and the mountains which loom up beautifully. Covered here and there with some little pines, green grass and bushes until the pines stop at the snow line and then come gray masses of rock and snow to the summit. Went out this p.m. for a fish, got out of my reckoning and went several miles out of my way. Came in at 8 p.m. having made 12 miles. July 15th, still near the Shell Creek where we were yesterday. Last night it was quite cold and rained and snowed. This morning we found two inches of snow on the ground. At breakfast, Dick had a cake of snow crowned with flowers. General Sheridan and Crook have gone hunting. Day fairly bright. Courier has been sent to Tongue River to communicate with 4th Calvary there. We will be out from Chicago three weeks tomorrow. At 1.30 p.m. today, a fine elk came close up to headquarters before anyone saw him. He got away, though the Indian guide shot at him several times. Lieutenants Carpenter and Shiker returned from their attempted ascent of Cloud Peak at 5 this afternoon. They found it impossible to get up to the top, there being a sheer wall of 130 feet. The party shot four mountain sheep. July 16th, scenery very fine, grass good, some fair pine. On this route last year, Lieutenant Sibley and party were corralled by the Sioux and compelled to leave their horses to escape. On Tongue River, it has been our finest march so far, and today we are in our most beautiful camp. Went down the canyon fishing, too swift, no fish. Saw Hart's camp from a bluff to our right. Grass splendid today, open park country, good pine timber, weather very fine, perfect. I was much pleased today in noticing three colors blue and flowers, two larkspur, one forget-me-not. July 17th, 
On our way down the mountain into the valley by Tongue River, we met Colonel J.K. Hart of the 5th Cavalry with Thornburg and several other officers. They came down the mountainside with us and we went into camp. The view of the mountains from this side is lovely. The canyon of the river is rocky, rugged, and grand. The 5th Cavalry camp is just five miles below us. Lots of trout taken this p.m. General Crook leads the stream. I caught nothing, as usual. July 18th, at the Canyon of the Tongue. This a.m. called at the camp of the 5th Cavalry, then fished with Colonel Ferrier. Fair luck. General Sheridan, General Crook, and Colonel Welsh all caught fine streams of trout in Medicine Dance and Sundance Creek. This afternoon at 5, the 5th Cavalry moved close up to our present camp. Tomorrow, we start for the new post on the Little Bighorn. Trout taken today by headquarters, about 100. The country upon the eastern slope of the mountains is really beautiful. It is hill and dell, well watered with good grass. The river belt lined with trees. Nothing that I can see will prevent this from becoming a good grazing country and a fair general farming country, though it is a little too cold for grain. The view of the mountains is superb. July 19th. A lovely morning with a beautiful sunrise. Headwater of the Little Horn or Custer River. We have had a splendid march of it today. We left the camp near the canyon of Tongue River and marched directly for the headwater of the Little Horn. But course was a little west of north. And we crossed Sundance, Box Elder, Little Beaver, and Birch Creek, passing through one of the best grazing countries I have ever seen. There were several varieties of grass, and it was hard to say which was the best. It stood up in places like Great Fields of Timothy, and any quantity of hay could be cut from it now. The water in the creeks is slightly roiled, as is also that in the Little Bighorn. That is to say, it is not perfectly clear, as the Tongue River is, nor is it near as cold. Though snow can be seen upon the mountains from our camp, and the river must, to a certain extent, be supplied from that source. The scenery mountainward is fine still. Few fish caught. General Crook brought in one buck deer. Saw three deer en route. July 20th. A clear, beautiful morning. We got off at 6 a.m. Found very fine grazing all along the route, and halted at one of the finest bottom lands I have seen. Grass very high and very good. Cross the Little Horn once. It is quite a good-sized stream of slightly roily water. Some timber along the banks. Grazing very good. Water and stream not very cold. Good for swimming. No fish. Saw but little game. Saw a coyote. I was impressed strongly for the 50th time last night in regard to the Custer fight. No one seems to know the truth of the affair so far as regards the Custer portion of the fight. July 21st, 7th Calvary. A lovely morning. We started down the river Little Horn for the scene of Custer's last fight. Our route lay along the west bank of the Little Horn on Custer River. For the first 10 miles, we passed through a fine grazing country. The bottom lands are very good. Gamma, wild oats, etc. Very thick. Timber, cottonwood, some wild plums, currants, and gooseberries. Land fine, stream fair, springs good. 
distant view of the mountains. We reached Custer's Battleground at 10 a.m. and camped on the riverbank just below it. From 2 till 6, I went over the ground with Colonel Hart and a detail of 10 men from the 5th Cavalry. We carefully searched and reburied all visible skeletons. 17 skulls. Day hot. Very. Camp on West Bank of River. Grazing poor owing to a recent hailstorm that had beaten down everything, cut the grass and clover, and badly used up everything. July 22nd. At 1.15 a.m., left Camp Custer and started for the new post on the Little Horn. Clear, beautiful morning, bathed in the river at 4.45 a.m. Course nearly due north along the west bank of the river, grazing quite good. Crossed two dry streams, J.W.F. and myself rode ahead. We found General Buell very courteous, met Mrs. Buell. 15 miles, total 295. And that is the end of the journey. That evening, Major Forsyth boarded a steamer in the Bighorn River. Their long trek was over. By July 27th, the company had landed in Bismarck on their way back to Chicago. Throughout his life, Major Forsyth, who himself was eventually promoted to General Brigadier, would remember this time of peace in the Wyoming Territory with fondness. Thank you for listening to another edition of Pioneers of Outlaw Country. I am your host, Jackie Dorothy. Here's to the battle neath the blue Lakota sky and the smell of gunpowder on the plains. The memory that stands like a flag in their hands where now the monument remains. Here's to the ghosts of the men who have died in a war that they boldly believe in. Be sure to subscribe to Pioneers of Outlaw Country so you don't miss a single episode of this historic series. The stories of our pioneers were brought to you by the Hot Springs County Pioneer Association. And this podcast was supported in part by a grant from Wyoming Cultural Trust Fund, a program of the Department of State Parks and Cultural Resources. This is a production of Legend Rock Media. With a special thank you to Tony Mesler, in the Many Strings Band.